Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and today we are not talking about <gasps> JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Whoa, it's time to finally go off into some of the spinoffs that started around part four, kind of, and then 11 years <laughs> later, or something like that. <laughs> so today we are talking about the first two episodes produced in the uh, Thus Spoke uh, Kishibe Rohan OVA series. Uh, because yeah, timelines are a little weird. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's more than one order to the Spokishibe Rohan. You've got the actual order they were published. You've got the order the anime episodes were 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 produced, and then you've also got <laughs> the completely random uh, order you could go just by the episode titles. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh man so so yeah. yes the frame story here is it's rohan telling his friends uh uh about a series of weird things that happened to him just like rohan and his stories right mm -hmm. i imagine the numbers in the titles are supposed to be the order in which they occurred to him mm -hmm. which is not the order they were written in because who tells their life completely uh, chronologically ever that's a weird thing to do yep and, and neither of those are the order they were adapted in for animation. Mm -hmm. It's <laughs> it's a good thing that basically all these stories are self-contained. Yes. And so it doesn't really matter. Th there is just the faintest line of continuity from like the beginning and ending bits of the framing story. It does not matter too much if you see it out of order. I should also say that this little anime has not adapted all of the stories. There's only four episodes of this, and there are currently eight stories with a ninth coming out march 19th of this year mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i'm i'm very curious if those other stories will eventually get adapted because the very first one that was made was done as like a bonus for a dvd set or something and then a couple years later i believe they just started making a couple extra for for <laughs> netflix no they weren't for netflix it was just netflix grabbed the rights for them Let's talk about some specifics, yeah. Uh, so our first episode, uh, the OVA 1, is called Episode 5, Millionaire Village. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was released on uh, uh, September 20th, 2017, as, like you said, a, a promotion for people who bought all of Part 4 on Blu-ray. Yes, yep. And the story it is adapting is, as we've mentioned, not the first uh, uh, Thus Spoke Rohan uh, one-shot written. No, this one was written, uh, this one was published on November 22nd, 2012, uh, right around the same time as the third arc of Part 8 was coming out. Yeah. Oh, that's got to be real weird to revisit stuff from Part 4, like, more than a decade mm -hmm, <laughs> after mm -hmm. Part 4. Yeah, I think that's I think that's all the backstory for like how this manga came about. Uh, mm -hmm. One more bit of behind the scenes stuff. I, I want to talk about some cast notes before we mm. really begin. Right. Uh, people may have noticed. I know some people noticed because they messaged me about it. We never talked about who voices Rohan in either of the languages. Yeah. That's because in part four, Rohan's English voice was a, a man known for sexual harassment of his coworkers, uh, mm -hmm. groping fans at conventions, and using lawsuits as uh, as a weapon to silence his accusers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we never talked about him until we could get to this point with the happy ending that he got fired Yay. eventually. Uh, uh, after he did all the part four. After he did 
all of those things. But yes, uh, so Rohan is voiced uh, uh, by Landon McDonald, who you might recognize for dubbing uh, Enmu in Demon Slayer. Mm, mm-hmm. And his Japanese voice is Takahiro Sakurai, the official dub voice for Robert for Robert Pattinson. Oh, shit. <laughs> so he's about to have a big year. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And... You know, if you if you listen to this stuff, the, these episodes after you've watched at least some of part four that includes Rohan, you would honestly never think that he got recast because this other guy does like the exact same goddamn voice. Yeah, yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's like a perfect match. You would never know. You know, and I feel like you know somebody. A lot of people will hold voice actors precious because like they're the only one that can do that voice or whatever. Even if they're like kind of a mm-hmm. shitty person, they're harassing people. It's just like fucking probably not. That dude who voices Reno in Final Fantasy VII Remake could probably do a pretty damn good Raiden. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, while we are uh, uh, talking about some of this, uh, it is worth mentioning that uh, the, the English voice of Kira, the man who looks like a magician in his Wikipedia photo, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, is also credibly accused of sort of leveraging his celebrity oh, really? to take advantage of fans, including like buying alcohol for underage fans and oh, inviting Jesus them to Christ. his hotel room to share it. Mm. I did not gross know about that shit. one. That's some gross shit. Yeah. Just do a funny voice and just fucking don't talk to teenagers. God damn. <laughs> Only speak professionally to teenagers yeah and if you can't do that fucking lock yourself up in a closet what are you doing (laughs) fuck you voice cartoons (laughs) so so we begin with rohan giving us a stretching lesson it is a lot like his his final scene at the end of of part four Mm -hmm. but far more in depth he's not just demonstrating he's giving us lessons with like (laughs) Best practices and and uh, uh, the precise angles of your joints, all all very Rohan stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we get an OP for this uh, series of OVAs, which is just like shapes melting into silhouettes with moody music. Yeah, it, it's a James Bond opening credit sequence. Yeah, it, it's just like clouds of ink turning into stuff. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And it's it's got it's got it's it's got a spooky somber song, I guess. Yeah. It's, the song sounds like a please don't sue me version of the Harry Potter movie theme. Mm-hmm. I can hear that, but then some pipe organ kicks in at the end. <laughs> so we begin with Rohan, age 27 now, according to uh, uh, info text on the screen, mm-hmm. which would place us in 2006, which seems wrong for some reason. Yes. Yeah. But he's having a a meeting with an editor at the big cafe from the Jankin' Boy episode. Yes. Uh, Kyoka Izumi here with Rohan, who's uh, 25, is a... Mm -hmm. The subtitles just say manga magazine editor, but she's wearing a badge with the Shonen Jump pirate guy on it, so... Oh, okay. My my eye was drawn to this uh, uh, medallion with the pirate because it looks like the logo for a mini golf slash go-kart place. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be the, the Shonen Jump guy logo thing. Yeah, they're they're hanging out here. They're They're having a meeting. You see other, like, staff from Shonen Jump or, or wherever, like, with Rohan in these episodes every once in a while, and they're always really young. Can you be a manga <laughs> editor at 21? 
Man. Well, can you have a best-selling book at age 17 or whatever when <laughs> Rohan started? I I guess everyone's a prodigy. Everyone. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Kyoka Izumi is voiced in English by uh, the, the voice of Ingrid in Fire Emblem. Oh, that's where I've heard her from. Okay. And her Japanese voice dubs Adora slash She-Ra in uh, the Princesses of Power show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Didn't know there was a Japanese dub for that. So uh, they, they are meeting to talk about uh, Rohan's big one-shot uh, story coming out. It's mm-hmm. like 40-some pages. Deadlines are looming. Have you got an idea? And he's like, yeah, I want to do some spooky shit. And she's like, are you sure? Why don't you talk about how to buy a house? <laughs> the English dub here continues, you know, some some pretty good localization and line changes. But sometimes the subtitles, especially in the start of this episode, uh, give you a bit more information than the English dialogue does. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he want Rohan wants to like do a story about like a solar eclipse. That's scary. Uh, but yeah, no <laughs> story about buying a house. How about that instead? Like she keeps sort of pushing it until he gets more and more offended because she knows he recently went bankrupt buying a mountain villa. <laughs> Yeah, he bought. How dare she? Yeah, he bought some some mountains or something, and uh, he is broke. So much for working from reality. Come on, dude. This is, you you would have to wait for a solar eclipse to allow yourself to draw one. Come on, come on. Right? There's video reference in in stuff, but like I don't think Rohan would settle for watching a video. I have to lick the sun. <laughs> He's going to look at the the eclipse with no eye protection because he has to know how that feels. <laughs> <laughs> so while they're kind of debating about this uh there's a shot where you the camera's looking at at kyoka and behind her is just akira walking down the street <laughs> he's out of jail now <laughs> well it's been seven years <laughs> and and i guess you know the justicism can't prove that he killed anyone it can prove he stole or was found in the possession of billions of yen of stolen goods <laughs> That's true. I forgot he stole a lot of stuff. He stole oh, a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the reason that uh, Kyoka here is so insistent is because she kind of wants to buy a house in an isolated millionaire neighborhood <laughs> in a, a, just a mountain villa of her own because she kind of found one while just farting around on Google Earth for f- just to kill time, I guess. Yeah. So it's weird to suddenly see tablets and the internet show up in JoJo, but we're here. Yeah, it's 2007, baby. Yeah. I, th- I still think it's a little early for the type of tablet she's holding, but I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, she, she pulls out this tablet and is just shown this aerial aerial shot of this remote village. She, she starts giving the story about what this place is, and there's, you know, only a couple pots of land, but there's one, there's one open right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This this little enclave is about 80 kilometers northwest of Morio, so mm-hmm. basically dead center between the coasts, uh, 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 if you actually look at it on a map of Japan. Yeah. Assuming Morio is a sort of residential neighborhood enclave of Sendai, at least. Yeah. So from the satellite photography that she found it with, uh, we got no power lines, we got no roads, we got no visible infrastructure at all. It's mm-hmm. totally isolated. And she wants Rohan to write this story so bad, she is buying the place herself with her own money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, this place is so 
secluded and separated from everything else the 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 way the people who live here uh travel to other places is via helicopter they have a heliport mm-hmm. uh and a department store yes. and she knows like the names and faces and and uh occupations of all 12 owners like what do you need rohan for you write the story you did all the research <laughs> uh she wants a ghost right he just needs a job <laughs> um Ghost, oh. right. oh. so the the story with this village is that yeah everyone who lives here is a millionaire they're they're all like ceo types you know mm-hmm. printing company a shipping company that that type of stuff and, uh, a pharma ceo owner of a yep. makeup company uh an airline everyone here is a multimillionaire. yeah the story is that everyone who lives here they did not become rich through, you know, inheritance or already being born into to money or anything. These were all normal people who moved up here at the age of 25. And then after doing that, over the course of a couple of years, became incredibly successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and hey, Kyoka is 25, so she wants to get rich. Yeah, yeah. I, and <laughs> somehow, even with uh, all of the, the wealth generated in this millionaire village, property values never went up, I guess, because they got no roads or power lines or any shit like that. <laughs> yeah, it's not that expensive. <laughs> it's like $30,000 for a house. And like, she yeah. can get a mortgage for a dirt cheap place like that. She's fine. Yep. So yeah, it's she's starting to get Rohan's interest now, especially now that she's like, it's my own money. It's not from the company. You don't got to do shit. You're poor. <laughs> uh, and by the way, I just have to point out the neck belt Rohan is, is wearing in this. Yes, his neck belt. At first, I thought it was just like a, a part of a weird collar of his shirt, but no, it's completely separate. He's just got a belt where the buckle is a giant pen nib that he just has hanging around his neck. Uh, so so he eventually gives in. He agrees to accompany her on this like sales appointment. She's going to the open house, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is like, okay, cool. You got access to the company helicopter, right? Uh, no, no, they don't. Hard cut to just hiking through the woods. <laughs> 50 miles uphill. Yeah. Surprisingly, no one's that miserable doing doing this big ass hike. Well, no, I guess they could have driven like three quarters of the way and just yeah. have to hike the last bit. But still. But still, it's a hike. And Rohan is not dressed for hiking. He only dresses for himself. He's got like a an outdoorsy sort of windbreaker jacket on. I, I guess it's okay. It's the most concession we've ever seen Rohan make to <laughs> the elements. Yeah. So they're hiking. They eventually reach the the front gate, this, this very tall, walled off, you know, community. You know, as there's steps away from from knocking on the door, Kilka goes, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you the most important thing. We have to be extremely polite. (laughs) (laughs) And Rohan is just like not getting why that's a big deal. Like, why why are you telling me? And so she she lays it out like, hey, you always act like some hotshot diva who's addicted to his own flatulence. (laughs) Stop worshiping yourself and be a good boy. (laughs) Yeah, that's verbatim. Why did you even bring him? (laughs) Oh, man. I like Kyoka. I like Kyoka a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You suck and you have to stop sucking for like an hour or so. Please, please stop sucking. Just, just don't talk. I think it's the easiest avenue of not sucking for you, Rohan. Oh, we should also mention that the 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 art direction has changed to reflect the 
the the time period this uh, manga was drawn in. So we're kind of in like a weird part seven slash eight art style sort of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everyone has so much color in their eyes. Oh yeah, <laughs> and everyone's arms are a lot thinner now. <laughs> but yeah, Rohan's just like I don't get why I have to be polite. You're the one buying this place, and you know she's just saying like hey they really value etiquette and you know like table manners and shit here and it's a really important part of the buying process you know we have to talk to the seller himself we got to be on our best behavior and fucking including you dude uh and she like gives him a test like hey uh let's practice manners when's the correct time to take your coat off when coming in and uh, Rohan gets the, the answer right. You take your coat off before even entering, you know, when you're still like on the porch, basically. Yeah. And but but before there is a question too, before there is a further, you know, step in this crash course in etiquette, they are distracted by a little baby bird. Yeah. Ro- Rohan is the one to be distracted first and say, we should do something about that. Maybe there's a little baby bird fell out of the nest looking all tiny and helpless on, on the ground. And so Kyoka puts it in a little chocolate box that she had in her bag, I guess. She <laughs> ate a lot of chocolates on the hike. I don't know. Yeah. Got to keep your energy up with chocolate. Um. <laughs> and so as they are resolving, they're like, okay, after our meeting, we're going to uh, get this bird back to its home somehow. I don't know. The, uh, <laughs> the door opens and they are greeted by the world's smallest butler creep. <laughs> Ikyu. Ikyu is the name Ikyu. of this creature? I don't think this is a person. He He's a very weird little boy. He's got a braided mohawk mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and otherwise just kind of messy blonde hair. He has eyebrows that are way too high up on his forehead. And his eyes are all black and reflective. They are like polished stones. Yeah, there is no white in his to his eyes at all. It's He's... They're very dewy, and yeah, he's uh, Ikyu is bad to look at. Ikyu's English voice uh, is is better known as Flame Princess in a, in Adventure Time. Oh, okay. And their Japanese voice was Navi in Ocarina of Time. Oh shit, that's fun. <laughs> Glad she's still doing stuff. <laughs> Uh, so, so yes, they are welcomed in. They take their coats off, you know, but before entering, you know, over the threshold, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and they they pass through this palatial estate with courtyards and bridges and hallways, and at at every stage, uh, Kyoka is making sure that Rohan is behaving properly, <laughs> making sure that when he takes off his shoes, they they're placed orderly and and pointed in the proper orientation, mm-hmm. down to the tiniest detail. So Ikyu also, you know, everyone in here values manners and etiquette. So Ikyu is also like extremely precise in his movements, like very practice looking. The way he opens like the sliding doors, like grabs it in the middle, stops, you know, then pushes the rest of it by pushing on like the bottom part of the door, which I think is a some type of etiquette thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, he uh, leads them to this room and says, okay, please, you know, sit in this waiting room while we wait for the the seller to come by and you know begin begin talks with you two uh and he brings them uh some tea and of course tea time is the most fraught test of etiquette oh yeah i mean beginning with the fact that it seems to take ikyu 10 minutes to just give them the tea and get out there's so so much bowing and Mm -hmm. precision uh, uh all tied up in everything 
at this point, I'm guessing the test will be like they, they will behave perfectly properly for one set of manners, but the mm-hmm. buyer follows a different like like they ah. do everything like perfect according to Japanese etiquette. But the bot, but the seller is an Englishman or something. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So after they're they're given the tea, Ikkyu like bows and, and leaves and like just a beat after he's gone. Both of them are just like, this is a test, right? This is totally a test. How do, <laughs> they, they, we got to drink this tea correctly, right? Okay. And so Rohan's like, Kyoka's taking the lead here. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, okay, when you eat, when you drink, you have to avoid any vulgar movements. You can't make noise. You got to be nice and quiet and, and proper while doing this. So she leans over, picks up the tea, you know, with the saucer. Mm-hmm. And begins to take the very first sip of this tea. And then immediately Ikkyu's outside. And he's like, excuse me, the seller doesn't want to meet with you anymore. You fucked up. <laughs> you fucked up real bad. You fucked up three times. <laughs> and so, yeah, she, she's made three breaches of etiquette. And the, the first one here was uh, where she sat down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She took the furthest seat from the door when she should have taken the nearest seat to the door, obviously. Yeah. And yeah. then when she was walking over to that seat, she stepped on the edge of a tatami mat, which is a horrible breach of etiquette. Mm-hmm. But the absolute unforgivable <laughs> violation when she picked up that teacup off of her, her raised saucer to drink it, she put her finger through the, the handle. Mm-hmm. which is unspeakably perverse. Yeah, you, like you, you get like a split screen, like wrong and correct way to hold this this teacup. And she was supposed to, yeah, no fingers through the handle. You're supposed to just be pinching the sides of the handles, which seems really fucking annoying. <laughs> that seems like the worst way to hold a cup full of hot tea, to be honest. So she she begs for a second chance when she's told that she'll she'll have to like walk back down the mountain for the day. She's <laughs> like, "Oh, just just for the day? That means I can try again? Please let me try again." Please. So she wants this house so so badly and Ikki's like, "Okay, I'll go ask." Yeah. Uh and Rohan is like sweating a bit. He's just like, "Can we just go home?" <laughs> I don't like this anymore. I don't like this. I never really liked this to begin <laughs> with. But Kyoka is like almost like driven mad now where she's just like, this place is really nice. I like this place a lot. And mm-hmm, everything mm-hmm. starts to get a little spooky. Yeah, the, the color drains. Everything's looking grainy as like she's rising in madness. <laughs> yeah. As this is happening, Rohan's pocket just starts leaking blood. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of bad things happen at once. Yes. Yeah. Rohan gets a little bit of blood out of his pocket. That's that's weird. And then Kyoka gets a phone call, and she clearly does not like what she's hearing in this phone call. It's it's an almost frustratingly believable phone call. Mm-hmm. Un- unlike so many TV phone calls, where it's the, the person you can hear just repeating what the person yes. you can't hear saying. Yeah. <laughs> She's just freaking out, and you don't know why. <laughs> yeah, and as she is on the phone, Rohan notices that there's blood leaking out of his pocket, and he pulls out the little chocolate box with the baby bird in it. And it's pouring now, waterfalls of blood coming out of this chocolate box, and also centipedes. Yeah, centipedes just start coming out of there, and Rohan's just like, what in the fuck? And like, 
<laughs> it's just endless blood pouring out. And and Kyoka, having received her news, can now relay it. Her her mother is is dead from a car accident. She was driving her her new fiance, her betrothed, somewhere, mm-hmm. and he is also dead. Uh, uh, the reason the car accident happened is because his mom, because her mom had a had a heart attack while driving. The yep. two of them. Just tragedy compounding tragedy. Yeah. And also the this bird has a lot of lot of bird blood. Mm-hmm. And like as all of this is happening at once, uh Ikyu opens the door and says, like, okay, the master uh has given you permission to try again. Uh let's continue. And Rohan's just like, This is bullshit, something something's up. So he pulls out Heaven's door <laughs> on Ikyu right away. It like karate chops Ikyu in the forehead and his head splits open into a book. Yeah. And so he starts reading Ikkyu's pages, and so, yeah, he is, you know, the butler of this entire village. More than that, quote, I am the messenger of the will of the land. (laughs) Yeah. Those who enter here with no respect and breach manners will lose something they cherish. That this is the punishment of the mountains itself. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. When you're tested, you either gain something or lose lose something, and that's just like the code of of these mountains. So yes, the the punishment for stepping on the edge of a tatami mat is the the man you're about to marry dying in a fiery car crash. <laughs> yeah, these are equivalent. Who sent the mountain spirits to finishing school? This sucks. Yeah, Where did they sucks. learn this? Uh, and so Rohan keeps flipping through pages and determines this kid has no stand. This is just ghosts. This is just haunted hills getting <laughs> pissed off. Though his face splits open even more to reveal another page within like the current layer of, of pages on his face. And it says, reading someone's mind without their permi- permission is an act of disrespect. <laughs> And this seems to be the first time Rohan has encountered that idea in his life. <laughs> yeah. He was not aware that this is generally considered rude. Mm-hmm. So so that's when the editor has a heart attack. <laughs> yep. Kyoka just falls down and is twitching and, and foaming at the mouth, having a heart attack. And I'm as surprised as anyone to, to see this evidence that uh, uh, she is important to Rohan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe it's more that the mountain spirits are taking away his career. Mm-hmm. She is having this heart attack on the floor. Ikyu asks, like, do you want to go home or do you want to continue with the test? And like, as this is said, like the doors part open and like the entire house they're in just kind of lifts away to reveal these gigantic trees, spooky trees where the shadows on them are like vaguely forming scary faces like skulls it's really cool (laughs) it's super cool and they're kind of like warping and waving a bit yeah it's super cool this 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 is good shit so uh rohan decides he's gotta he's gotta play the game back up to break even essentially yeah so he's faced with yet another challenge oh you you thought tea time was fraught now you must eat corn or die Yeah, I, I love that there there's all this tension and the, these spooky haunted mountains and trees and stuff. And then like it just hard cuts to Ikkyu just holding a plate with a corn cob on it. And it's supposed to be like the most serious like shit. Eat this corn, <laughs> Rohan. Eat the corn. So the test is how one properly, according to all known laws of <laughs> etiquette, eats corn on the cob. He has a full tasty looking corn cob, mm-hmm. a fork 
a knife, and a pair of chopsticks. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck you eat corn on the cob with chopsticks. Yeah. I would love to see someone I, try. I guess you're like plucking the individual corn kernels off the cob with the chopsticks. You use the fork and knife to cut the corn cob into slices, mm. like half-inch discs. Uh, and then you use the chopsticks to bring them to your mouth. Yeah, my, my girlfriend here just had a really good idea. You take the chopstick and you just skewer it through the corn cob and then mm, mm. <laughs> like those little pokey things yeah 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 <laughs> like the the music has really cranked up this is like do or die shit and rohan's hands are shaking he briefly lifts the the fork and, and knife off the table like fuck how do i eat a corn uh <laughs> and then he he puts them down and does the jojo like i'm not owned smirk and it's like, aha, you fucking fool. I've always known how to eat corn the correct, polite way. <laughs> <laughs> so he reveals his secret that, like, this, nobody fancy eats corn on the cob. It is time for backyard rules. That That is the dominant etiquette <laughs> of the day. You eat this shit with your hands. Yeah, and there's, like, such a loud, like, punchy, forceful sound for him just grabbing the corn with his hands. Like, boom! <laughs> this is a devastating blow. And the way he just, like, splays out his hands, like, almost covering the foreground of the frame. Yeah. He's like, with these, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> he grabs the corn, and he eats the corn. He's done it. <laughs> Which resurrects his beloved uh, uh, work friend. Uh, uh, she, she's no longer foaming at the mouth or having her organs explode. Hooray. Yeah. But he, Rohan is continuing to like fix all of the other bad things that have happened by uh, mm -hmm. making Ikkyu be very vulgar and impolite. When, when his face w was open, he wrote in Ikkyu's, uh, book that he cannot see the edges of tatami mats. So he's walking all over those edges. He's just been tap dancing on those edges, and every time he's he reacts with shock, wouldn't you know it, he steps on more edges. So yep. apparently, there's a, a, a home and away scoreboard in the hearts <laughs> of, of the mountain gods. Yeah. Where every time Ikkyu fucks up, one of Kyoka's sins is forgiven. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Ikkyu has, has fucked up a bunch and he's just like, okay, well, do you want to continue the test or you just want to leave? And Rohan just goes, I'm fucking leaving. <laughs> this Goodbye. This sucks. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> Goodbye. And like, as he is leaving the estate, all of the evil spooky faces on the trees fade away and the forest returns back to normal. Oh, that's, it looks even cooler the second yeah. time, actually. <laughs> yeah. And so he pulls out the little box with the bird in it. From, out from and the pocket. bird is happy and healthy, and, and Heaven's Door lifts the bird up to uh, up to the nest from which it fell, mm -hmm. and that's the end. So we're back in uh, the, the cafe, and Rohan is telling the story that started with him at the same cafe mm -hmm. <laughs> to the to the high school trio to Josuke, who sits with his back to the viewer and silent the entire time. <laughs> yeah, he never says anything. <laughs> and Okiyasu and, and Koichi. <laughs> Yeah, and so Koichi, like, it, it fades to Koichi just going like, wow, did that story really happen? And as Rohan is going like, oh, yeah, man, all that shit is super true. It really happened. Very faintly in the audio, in the background, you can hear Okuyasu eating, like, pancakes or something. And in the English dub, at least, you hear him go, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
He lo- he loves himself some pancakes. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. To to wrap up the loose ends of this story, uh, when they got back to the city, uh, Kyoka got another phone call from her her mom, just like it was just some fender bender. Everyone's shaking but fine, and you know you know how your aunt likes to exaggerate when there's bad news. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, Rohan is still like super broke as he's telling this this story to everyone. Mm-hmm. And it turns out Rohan has been staying with Koichi as his house is getting renovated or whatever. I think he had to sell his house oh, yeah, to, to pay for it. what we're going to talk about next. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's so broke he's been living with the Hirasei family for a while, like long enough to be in imposition. And Okiyasu's like, hey, I got a lot of empty rooms and they're spooky as shit. <laughs> <laughs> and Rohan thinks to himself like, Yes, I could live in a, in an abandoned haunted mansion. This yeah. will be fine. And he's just like, you know what, Okiyasu, your dad's pretty interesting. I need to research him. And Okiyasu, as the camera's just like pulling away and like, you know, we're fading to credits, Okiyasu's like, oh man, could you use Heaven's Door to fix my dad? And Rohan's just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not I can't, but I won't. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> And I don't think he can. What, what would he do? Write in him, I am no longer a slug? Yeah. I, I don't know if that would work. E- even if there were like no protections against, against Heaven's Door, I just don't think that would work. I don't know. So that is the end. And the one thing that confuses me most about the timeline isn't the, the various <laughs> production things. It's why are these people still in their high school uniforms if it's seven years later? <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to see grown up. The, the grown-up boys, like... Why don't they have other clothes? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Koichi's just going to be a little guy forever, but it's still seven years later, or or whatever. Yeah, uh, they should have jobs. Yeah. At least one of them might be married. <laughs> I don't know. Seven years is a long it's, time. It's absolutely Koichi who would be married. Uh, both Okiyasu and Josuke will never marry. They'll, they'll just be basically a couple with each other, but they never mm-hmm, acknowledge mm-hmm. it. Oscar and Felix, but with more cuddling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yep. So that brings us to episode two, Mutsukane Hill. Araki's one-shot was uh, published in January 2008, around the same time he was making the fourth, the, the 14th arc of part seven. The 14th arc, oh my god. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and the OVA uh, uh, for episode two, Mutsukabe Hill, was uh, uh, released July 2018, just a few months before Part 5 began airing, Mm -hmm. as a bonus for people buying the second collected volume of the Thus Spoke Rohan one-shots. Okay. So so essentially, this OVA is just like promotional tie-in shit. Yeah, yeah. And there's just been enough times they've needed to to make something extra that they could just keep pulling from this. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like... When people say OVA, or at least when I think OVA, I think of like 80s and 90s just dumping huge amounts of, of budget in because yeah. you, you know the sort of return you're going to get on, on that investment, right? Mm-hmm. That's not what this is. Like these episodes no. look like, I, I mean, with uh, some updated, uh, uh, you know, character models, but they essentially look like late part four. Mm-hmm. You know, like well, well framed, well directed, fine. Uh, less of the uh, uh, really interesting camera work and compression of space from early part four, for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely. But like, not you know, steps above when you think of the OVA boom OVAs. You know, yeah, it's yeah, OVAs kind of is is pretty different these days. Like, 
there's been a couple OVAs I've watched for other anime, and yeah, they always feel like the other ones I've seen have honestly felt like even cheaper than the normal series that they're from. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess it show, goes to show how, you know, market pressures have shifted from yeah. from the, the mid 80s to early 90s. I, I really wish something would cause what would happen that would cause OVAs to be like the quality they were in the 80s and 90s because man they seem to have moved from the big thing you use to make a splash to to yeah. hook a fan and and to launch your your brand into like this the, the thing you make to reward the people that are already yep. hooked yeah like th- this this is not going to be anybody's first step it's a fucking pre-order bonus <laughs> yeah but man i'm just just thinking what part four could look like with like the that 90s jojo ova quality like animation <laughs> oh man that would be dope yeah, we, we got the episode two here, Mutsukabe mm-hmm. Hill. We're we're starting off at the, the same cafe. And Rohan is meeting his editor. Different editor, though. Yeah, different dude. Uh, this is Minoru uh, Kaigamori, uh, who is 23, mm. and he's meeting Rohan at the exact same table at the cafe. He's got a favorite table. Yep. The, the people who work there must know Rohan by this point, right? They know what he wants, <laughs> which is to be left alone. He's lived here for seven years over <laughs> yeah. the course of this one year. I don't know. Maybe that's what episode one will be about whenever Rocky writes it. How? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did Rohan age seven years in a year? <laughs> so uh, Minoru here, his uh, English dub voice also played the titular role in Moriarty the Patriot to oh. connect it to what we were talking about uh, uh, last episode, uh, the, the Sherlock Holmes ankle of JoJo. <laughs> And Rohan is real pissed to see him six minutes early for their appointment. Yeah, it's... It, <laughs> Somehow this is worse than arriving late. Yeah, it feels like some of that, that weird etiquette stuff rubbed off on him or something. Even though this takes place earlier. Yep. This is episode takes, two rather than episode five. Yep, it takes place before. So yeah, Minoru, while, while he's sitting down, is like, hey, what are you reading? Uh, Dostarl, is that like a new band or something? And Rohan's like, no, it's a fucking Russian artist from the 50s. Shut up. <laughs> uh, if you're looking up, th- this artist is uh, known for abstracted uh, uh, landscapes, and they mm. look cool as shit. Ooh, I gotta look this up now. Right? Yeah, yeah. Th- this meeting is interrupted before it even begins, which is good, because it's not supposed to begin for six more minutes, <laughs> uh, by Akira and uh, and Tamami. Turns out they're huge fans. Yep. And they want some autographs seven slash one years late to the party. <laughs> the editor is just like, no, 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 we can't do this. We have a really important meeting about Rohan's new one shot. 61 fucking pages. That's a lot. Uh, yeah. We're yeah. really busy. That's a fucking book. That's... <laughs> It's yeah. not a one shot, that's a book. And, you know, he's just like, we're really busy and all this shit. And as he's saying this, like coffee, like little splashes of coffee are just flying into the, the frame and onto these little blank shape, sheets of paper these guys are holding up. And he's just drawing with the coffee. <laughs> yeah, because Rohan Kashibe is, at least from a technical perspective, the greatest artist to ever live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're just he like, has oh, flung... Shit fucking mochaccino from his straw across a four foot gap to make drip drip painting uh uh, sketches and autographs for these two yeah and they just go oh shit coffee art yeah thank you and then they just long range from downtown (laughs) and then they just like run away like little kids 
Like, mm-hmm. very, very happy with the cool art they got just now. Probably to flip it on eBay. We, It's these two. Come on. Come on. Yeah. I they don't read. No. <laughs> so Rohan, and it is with his editor alone, has got a level. He needs an advance on this fucking XXL one shot coming down the pipe because mm-hmm. he's broke as shit. So, so now he explains that he's homeless. He's crashing mm-hmm. with the Hirasei family. He does not even have a desk of, upon which to draw at this point. Yeah. Because he sold everything. He sold his Sailor Moon figures. He sold his Led Zeppelin albums. <laughs> if you draw a Venn diagram of fans of those two things, it's Rohan, baby. That, yep. that's, the, that's the center point. Oh, God. I love that he has Led Zeppelin LPs. Uh, and also, he <laughs> had to sell all of his Roroni Kenshin manga, which, you know, it's probably better you just got rid of all that anyways. <laughs> I, I like the idea that Rohan is a Roroni Kenshin fan because I, I checked its publication dates. It lines up perfectly with his teenage years. Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. That makes sense. And also because it, it finished its run in 1999, mm. he would have been publishing alongside it in the early days of Pink Dark oh, Boy. Oh, there you go. In like a very like, oh my God. Uh, uh, you know, when I started drawing at age two months, I never thought I'd be like in the same magazine at the same time as my idol. Yeah. But I, but I, there's no way Rohan would ever say that out loud. Yeah. And I also guess this story is taking place before the author of Roroni Kenshin got convicted for possession of child pornography. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. Roroni Kenshin, folks. I didn't scroll that far down on the Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. He was in jail for like two years or something, and that he's out. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, 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 oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Good, good job uh, flipping those before the bottom falls out of the market, Rohan. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a yeah. canny investor's eye. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Uh, yep. That's, uh, that's like the main fact I know about Roroni Kenshin. <laughs> uh. And now I know a fact about Roroni Kenshin, mm-hmm. aside from it's dates of publication uh so <laughs> so minoru um, is confused with uh, uh the news that his his you know star writer on his editorial desk mm-hmm. is broke as anyone has ever been because hey didn't you just buy a fucking mountain recently <laughs> yeah he he bought a shitload of land uh and he bought it not to live there he bought it for no. research for a story obviously <laughs> <laughs> Rohan goes on to explain, hey, I bought this because I heard in those mountains, in those hills, there's some type of ghost. There's resort village up in those mountains, and there was a uh like a, a developer who was trying to buy mm-hmm. that land to build a road up to the village, and I could not have that because all that construction might scare the ghost away. <laughs> So I bought the land and also six mountains surrounding it, so no one could build anything there. <laughs> so so Rohan, faced with what is obviously a Scooby-Doo plot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, and also his... Spooky monster, make land cheap. Now we build our road to the ski lodge. Oh, <laughs> he says, no, the ghost is real, and I need to establish a nature preserve for yeah. this ghost. And then he said, oh, also, I can't sell the mountains anymore because they're uh, worthless because the resort development plan that was going to happen there fell through. So it's worth jack shit. (laughs) Please give me money in advance. I have these worthless mountains. But at least I can hunt my cryptids in peace. (laughs) 
at some point for some ghost story Rohan's going to write, he must just do like like guest on an episode of Ghost Hunters or something, right? <laughs> for research. <laughs> Uh, I would love to see Rohan in, you know, a Scooby-Doo mystery, you know, just after Sonny Bono, before the Globetrotters, squeeze (laughs) Rohan in there. (laughs) I love Rohan's weird thing of I have to experience things in real life to get Mm -hmm. inspiration for my stories because it is such the perfect framework for just writing any crazy ass story with Rohan that you want. And that's why there's no naked babes in his book, no matter what the milkman asks for. (laughs) Yeah, he's literally never in his entire life seen a boob, so he can't draw. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know what those are. I mean, in theory, yes, but not to his standards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but the happy ending of this story is that he did indeed find this mountain specter. Yeah. And so we see a glimpse of this this specter or... And, and what it represents will be made more clear later, but it's just this very bloody lady oh, in yeah. her underwear co- covered in, in just, just geyser sprays of blood yeah. and a dead boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we go into the OP and after, yeah, Rohan begins to tell a story of Mutsukabe Hill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there is this woman named Naoko Osato, only daughter of a successful family that lives in Mutsukabe village uh yes a a miso paste dynasty (laughs) yes 300 years of this family making miso paste and doing very well for themselves yeah yeah naoko's english voice uh is also yuffie from uh final fantasy 7 remake oh shit what i thought she sounded like yuffie oh man that's great and her Japanese voice is about to uh, uh, appear as the daughter in the upcoming Spy uh, X Family uh, uh, adaptation. Oh, neat. That is probably going to be very popular. Yeah. So, yeah, this this village, uh, the family owns, like, this villa. They, they got uh, they're a private road that leads right up to this, this villa up in the in the mountains. We, we cut to inside the villa, and there's somebody playing basically Gradius on a it's the exact same game Josuke was playing. Yes, yes, it was. That's right. Yes, it is. Except he's playing it on what appears to be a off-brand Mad Cat's PlayStation 1 controller. Yes, instead uh, of a, literally an, an N64 controller. And he has the most bizarre grip yeah. on this controller. <laughs> it's upsetting. He's got his thumb and index finger on the face buttons and using the rest of the fingers to hold, prop the controller up. And it looks so uncomfortable. You're not playing Monster Hunter. You don't need to do this. <laughs> but but this is the soon-to-be-dead boyfriend we, we saw in that, that flash earlier. Gunpei Kamafusa. He is a part-time gardener and uh, and boyfriend on the down low. He, he's a, one of them secret boyfriends. Yep. Because this is a, a, a story of class. Mm-hmm. His English voice plays uh, Auntie in uh, SSSS Gridman and Di- okay. Dinazanon. Which I would recommend people go watch both those shows. They're very, they're, they are excellent. I should watch those, yeah. Yes, yes, you should. I, I need to watch more anime. I just started watching the OVAs of uh, Blackjack, which are pretty good. <laughs> more gambling, huh? Okay. Oh, no. Blackjack is a doc. He's an unlicensed doctor. <laughs> but I'm sure there is gambling at some point. Gambling with their lives. Yes, exactly. Uh, so anyway, Naoko is dumping this guy because she can't be dating the help anymore. Daddy wouldn't approve. Yeah. And so she 
She kicks him out or, or tries to kick him out and throws a big envelope full of cash at his head. Yep. And it, I mean, get, getting dumped with a payoff, that's emotionally hurtful. I get it. That sucks <laughs> in, in ways that just normally getting dumped doesn't. But you still got a lot of cash at the end of the day. That, 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 that's that got to help, you know? Yeah, I feel like most of the times if you, you know, a relationship ends, you're not getting a severance check, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, as she's, like, throwing this cash at him and stuff, like, she closes the window because there is a car driving up to the house. Somebody's coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They cannot be seen together. They they have a fight. Uh, uh, he doesn't want to go. She wants him to go, and so he he comes up and grabs her and stri- starts trying to be all sweet, which isn't very sweet because she's squirming and shouting no as he gropes her and yeah. is like, "Hey, what would what would your dad and and this other man? You're with another man now, aren't you? What would they think if they saw this? Like, I don't care. I know what I think when I see this. I think it's bad." Mm-hmm. I think you should get dumped. It's I, no. Yeah, this this behavior is extremely dump worthy for sure. So eventually, Naoko gets pissed off and she like elbows him in the face, and this upsets him, and so he slaps her. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Sh- shoving has graduated to like slapping and striking. Yeah, and uh, uh, like yeah, maybe maybe you should just like call it quits. Things are things are bad. This things- is not, yeah, not good. And you know, the instant he slaps her, he's just like, oh no, I'm so sorry. You know, yada yada. And she she's so she's pissed, and so she just starts you know just striking his chest, just kind of open hand pushing him open palm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and eventually she pushes him enough that he like trips and he he falls o- down on his butt and she rushes to the window to see that her dad and her fiance are walking up to that house because yes she this is apparently d- despite their uh contentious arguments uh, mm-hmm. uh th- this gardener is the guy she wants to be with but alas due due to uh, uh the pressures of being a a wealthy you know daughter to the miso paste fortune <laughs> Uh, she, she's had an arranged marriage to to this guy who we learn nothing about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to assume that his family owns like 10,000 supermarkets across Europe or yeah, something. It, it absolutely has to be some type of business arrangement. Like, uh, and, and as she is explaining this and trying to apologize, she's not getting any response. And when she finally turns around and sees her boyfriend still sitting exactly where he fell, lying against a bag of golf clubs, she starts to fear the worst. Mm-hmm. And as she pulls his, his, you know, seated torso forward, those fears are revealed to be accurate. A putter has somehow <laughs> pierced the base of his skull, <laughs> killing him instantly. Yeah, yeah. So he's starting to bleed on the floor. And Naoko is freaking out. Like she, there's a she she tries to cover up the wound with a you know a towel. You should have taken the cash. It was probably just your back wages for gardening. Don't think too much about it. Just take it and go. Yep. And yeah, she's trying to to stop the bleeding with a towel. And she's like, oh shit, everyone's gonna think I just straight up murdered this guy with this golf club. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she starts thinking about what to do as, you know, her dad and her fiance are slowly approaching. And she's like, do I call 
a doctor? Do I call the police? Like, what do I do? You, you see there's like silhouettes uh, uh, as the sun tries to hit the front window uh, and she's freaking out. She tries to like play dead, be, be silent, and they're yep. still not going away. So it's time to just like start hiding the evidence in a fury. So she she strips off her, uh, uh, her dress so it doesn't get any blood on it, throws it to the side, and she starts dragging this body down the hallway. Yeah, and... Yeah, there's just blood streaking all across the hardwood floors. She's like, okay, where do, where the fuck do I hide this guy? Underneath the sofa? Uh, and then, like, she looks down at the body, and it's gushing even more blood faster than it was before. <laughs> and he, she's like, this guy, this dude's dead. He His heart is not beating. How is this much blood shooting out of the, his head wound? What is happening? It's, it's it's the classic story of trying to avoid trouble, pulling you deeper and deeper into trouble, but with yeah. a shouty underwear babe. Yes. And then as this is happening, you hear her dad go like, hey, are you know, are you there? Oh, hold on. I got a spare key. And you see the deadbolt start to turn. And they are slow as glaciers, these two guys. <laughs> they, these guys are must be high on something. <laughs> They they did a line of something before <laughs> coming here because yeah they are moving like out yeah yeah at- they they saw the uh, the Quaalude scene in in Wolf of Wall Street and were like that shit looks fun <laughs> yeah how much do we take I don't know I don't, how much you got miso paste yeah Woo. Uh, so so she has time to get the this corpse all the way to the kitchen where she keeps her her uh, first aid kit and bandages up the wound with four huge bandages like laid over each other like a like she's making an asterisk on the back of this guy's yes. head and it still gushes out and so she's like, okay, fuck. So she gets out like a suture kit and she starts stitching up the wound. So much blood has poured out of this dude. He looks mummified. He shriveled away. All, all yeah. moisture of his body is leaving out of this wound. There's a part where she's like, can humans bleed when they're dead? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and so she's like got the water running to like clean stuff up and... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, like her dad is just like sounds like you got a lot of water going what's going on in there <laughs> she she's convinced them both to just like meet her in in the big house because she's freshening up she's changing uh uh just like go go on ahead i'll, I'll meet you in the main house because mm-hmm. she like lives in a, a guest house on this fucking miso paste compound i guess mm-hmm. and and so they go and so that that buys her a little time to like yeah so so up this hole and uh, uh, then the, the fiance is like, yeah, your dad gave me a spare key. Thinks we should spend some one on one time before uh, uh, we all hang out in his living room. I'm like, dude, she said she'd see you in a minute. Go away. Go away. <laughs> no one and listens like, to this woman and what she wants. Yeah. And as she's like trying to do something, this wound, her fiance is also like, hey, so like when I was first walking up to the building, I. That window was open, just a crack, and I'm pretty sure I saw someone else. Is there someone else in there with you? What's going? He, and he's like really suspicious, and she's just like, "Just go to the main house." <laughs> she can't think about this because her, her hands are shaking way too much to be doing sutures. Yeah, <laughs> but she somehow manages, and it keeps bleeding. Ah. And so she takes a spoon and heats it 
with the gas burner, the stove, and uses the spoon to try and, like, cauterize the wound, but it just burrows into the back of this dude's skull. And there's skull. even more blood! Ah! <laughs> even more blood! So, so she finally wraps this dead man's body in a rug and hoists it on top of the refrigerator out of sight out of mind i guess and mm. so there's just blood everywhere uh, uh until the door opens and in comes uh, uh the the other man who has polaris hair but blonde which is why i say yes. he's the heir to a european supermarket fortune <laughs> yeah it is like a, a distant cousin of polaris <laughs> yeah as he, as soon as he enters, lightning quick, she's scrubbed all of the blood away. She she's like in a, a sort of simple house dress and apron with rubber gloves on. You know the cleaning uniform. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I guess there is no one here. I'm not going to pay any thought to the idea that you said you were getting ready to to look nice for for you know <laughs> a f- fancy people uh, uh, socializing and are instead doing your chores i'm not that that's not a discrepancy in my mind whatsoever <laughs> yeah she she is facing away from him just like dual wielding towels here like polishing the fridge basically and i'm like this this story is horrifying this whole th- i yes. i've not <laughs> i've been concentrating on how wild this shit is but this is one of the scariest thing this is absolutely the scariest <laughs> thing this franchise at the very least has ever done yes yes uh but it's it's some fucking wild shit because because like her, yeah. her desperation the the absolute like rictus tension going on yeah. and then the most bizarre and horrifying thing of it all oh is of course God. he is still bleeding and he's bleeding in a very organized manner now because the spoon pressed through his fucking brainstem is mm-hmm. now like down the, ha- the, the the blood is running down the handle like an improvised spout yeah and the only way she can hide this blood from her uh, the, the man she is uh, uh, destined to marry mm-hmm. is to have her tongue open like she's catching snowflakes in winter time <laughs> and just yeah. drinking it like like a, like a fucking water fountain yeah, it's it's very very bizarre and, and and spooky. You know, he just keeps talking to her, going like, "Oh, I guess I really was mistaken." And you can hear her thoughts of just like, "Please stop bleeding! Please stop bleeding! Please stop bleeding! <laughs> please, please, please!" Uh, and this could be the end of the story. I kind of wish this was the end of the story. Yeah, this is straight up just like a Junji Ito story. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This feels extremely Junji Ito inspired. But yeah, the the story continues here where like the the fiance never caught on. So he leaves and, you know, there's a creepy shot where it's like you're you're looking at the the fiance and the camera is just like right in front of Naoko. Like she's barely in the frame. It's just some of her face and and neck. And there's a part where he turns around and is just like, okay, I guess there is nothing going on here. I'll see you in the main house. And like she cracks a smile while still drinking the blood and it's so weird and creepy looking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not the end it's be- yeah. because more happens of course mm-hmm. as narrator rohan tells us they they do get married as planned they they uh have been together for for a few months now however every single day gunpei keeps bleeding another 300 cc's <laughs> Yeah. Which comes out to about a, a one and a quarter cups. He mm-hmm. cannot be a blood donor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And so every day, Nayoko must secretly collect and get rid of that blood. They've never been on a trip. They didn't have a honeymoon. They, they got married at home. Mm-hmm. She's never left that compound for, for, you know, anything overnight because she must tend to the blood. She doesn't drink the blood. That would be fun. She just sort of secretly nips away and, and flushes it down the sink or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She, she tends to this every day. Eventually, it the uh, you know they live long enough that uh the that guest house gets demolished, which get, removes the hiding place for the body. So Naoko has moved it into an attic above uh the closet in the main house. Don't know how she maybe she's cleaning the attic. I don't know, but somehow she discovers that when she sprays water over Gunpei's like mummified corpse, he mm-hmm. briefly returns back to normal. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. His, his skin becomes normal. And she can speak sweetly to the man she wishes she was with this whole time that, that she has this very uh, intimate relationship with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a shot here of her just like doting over this, this restored corpse, just saying, you know, I'm going to be the one to take care of you forever. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And this could also be the ending of the story, but it's not. Yeah, how did Rohan learn about all this? Well, one day he was walking around his massive land holdings in the mountains. And, of course, whenever he sees someone for the first time, he opens them up and reads their book because he hasn't yet learned that's rude. Yeah. So we see a time that Rohan was... uh, uh, He's walking up like a, a... highway road that leads up to these mountains and he's being hounded by this guy named Batsudera who's just constantly begging like can I buy your mountains can you sell me your mountains I want your mountains please (laughs) (laughs) I guess this is before the the development uh project fell through maybe he's one of the developers like the the land is still valuable to those people I guess so, yeah. But yeah, Rohan just starts walking faster to leave Batsudera behind as he's, like, answering his phone or something. Like, he just accidentally bumps into this girl who ends up being Naoko Sato. And yeah, so he, he immediately hits her with Heaven's Door and reads her book and learns all about the existence uh, of Gunpei. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, excuse me, that happened in the past, and that's why he's going back now to do more research. Yeah, and this time he runs into a younger girl mm-hmm. uh, near the, the family the family villa. And she recognizes him like, hey, you're that dude that bought all this land and is broke as hell. That's cool. I'm going to run away now. Yeah, I think you're a pervert probably. Goodbye. <laughs> She she tries to like run away and Rohan's just like, whoa, 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 what's this? And so he tries to just like grab her by the arm and she trips instead and cracks her head on a rock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so much like Nayoko's uh, uh, response sometime in the past, he's like, oh, shit, this looks like I killed her. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. going to think when it doesn't, it, it looks like a kid ran and slipped and fell. <laughs> <laughs> Naoko yeah, like, was right it looked like she killed him but like Batsudera is coming up right behind him like he can hear him on the phone getting closer and closer now a reasonable person might think that this is a coincidence or perhaps some local curse that, that plays out in the same cycle over and over again but it takes mm-hmm. a special freak mind to jump to the conclusion of Naoko got corpse pregnant and this kid is the new incarnation of the specter that is tormenting me specifically. 
Yes, Rohan learns a lot, and I don't know if it's through a book or if he makes a lot of conclusions because it sounds cool for a story. (laughs) Yeah, this girl is, you know, has cracked her head and appears to be dying. So he does open up the pages on her on her face and you can see all the writing in the book just fading away as she's dying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's just like, oh, shit, you know, the life is fading away from her. I got to fix this. And so he writes in there. I've never I don't know who Rohan Kashibe is and also I cannot see him. <laughs> and this fixes her up somehow. So I guess I mean I don't know if he was right about Nayoko having a daughter fathered by a corpse, but mm-hmm. but this kid does seem to be the specter specifically hunting yes. Rohan. So if it cannot perceive Rohan, it cannot target Rohan, so it has no reason to die. Yes. So now it can yeah. live a happy life as like a, a preteen miso paste heiress. Yeah. Ro- Rohan has figures that what is going on here is that there is some type of specter or he even theorizes organism mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is either like a person or possesses a person to find a way to die in front of someone to cause such great guilt that their corpse and thus the the specter or whatever is cared for forever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by this guilty person and yeah rohan thinks the girl came from the corpse (laughs) bothered by the corpse gross (laughs) pretty gross so so she runs off unharmed perhaps a little confused why she thought she saw someone she can't and then definitely Mm -hmm. didn't uh (laughs) but no mind weird things happen to kids all the time and and then yes, this this dumpy little money man uh, catches up to Rohan, and he says, "Quote: You can take your offer and shove it." Yes, I would rather be broke and living with my good friend Koichi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so speaking of, we are ending just like the last one did. It's Rohan telling this story to to his teenage friends, and Koichi doesn't buy a word of this shit. <laughs> But Miki Taka, who's here today, does know of the same sort of thing happening out in the Orion Nebula. He, he's heard of <laughs> such creatures. Yeah. They would engineer their own deaths so that they would be cared for. By the way, Josuke is here again. We also, as last time, only get to see the back of his head and he says nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as Miki Taka's just like, oh yeah, man, like I, I've seen a creature just like this, you know, in space. Uh, Rohan's just like, okay, are you really a fucking alien? And Mikitaka's like, yeah, man, Magellanic clouds represent or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> you uh, could find out if anyone could crack this case. It's Rohan. Yeah. And it's the one person he doesn't want to open up. Yep. And so as the, the camera pans out, we, we, we go back to Rohan revisiting these these mountains just a little outside of this this family estate or whatever. He doesn't want to find out the actual truth. Mm-hmm, He's mm-hmm. just like, you know, I could do something about this. I could do more, but I'm not that kind of guy. I'm just a manga artist. And he walks <laughs> away as we hear. He walks away like the Incredible Hulk, you know, going to yeah. his next town. <laughs> Yeah, and we hear uh, Naoko's daughter's voice just saying like, hey, mommy, one day will I get to marry a handsome man or something like that? (laughs) Yes, Uh, honey, but you'll also have a side piece who you murdered. (laughs) (laughs) And that is the end of Mutsukabe Hill. I like this one a lot. I think it's really fucking spooky, this one. 
Mm-hmm. The the only thing I I wish was different is just this feels like an episode that could have been instead of like twenty five minutes it could have been like thirty five. Yes, yes. So just some more time for for Rohan to develop his fucking wild ass assumptions. Yeah, because like the actual idea of like there's a weird, bizarre ghost or creature or something that is almost like a parasite but it dies in front of someone to create such guilt that they are cared for for the rest of their lives is cool. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. He just kind of learns it very quickly. (laughs) Yeah, that is two of the four animated adaptations of the spoke shibe rohan Mm -hmm. uh but what do you think of these i think like the the stories are really fun really effective i i I like the change in mechanics basically i'm very happy that heaven's door is the only stand-in play i I hope Mm -hmm. that's true when when we talk about the the remainder next week Mm -hmm. and yeah just rohan going from ghost story to ghost story in his interesting strange little life (laughs) is a good concept this is fun yeah I yeah. feel like, okay, it it is what it is. I was just hoping for a little more, like, visual distinction, something more. Yeah. Every part we've had, okay, maybe not the, the jump from part one to part two, but generally there's been a real change in the, the visual style, a, a, like, yeah. distinctive signature shift in, in how they look. Mm-hmm. And that didn't doesn't happen here. Like it's yeah, it's just a little extra, but in the sense of more and not extra in the sense that people use it these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I guess is something that I was I was hoping for and didn't even really realize until I didn't get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's still definitely every once in a while some cool visuals like the spooky trees and stuff. That was um, great. That's good shit. Yeah. But yeah, this is this basically looks like part four, but while reflecting a little bit more of the art style of of the more recent parts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's kind of like in between. Koichi's eyes are so dewy; they're Koichi's so colorful. Eyes. Yeah, they're he's he's got lots of lashes now too, like <laughs> even more than before. Um, but yeah, I think these are really cool. I really got to get around sometime to reading the ones that have not been adapted. Mm-hmm, uh, I'm mm-hmm. sure those are pretty cool. I'm glad he's making another one that's coming out in another month or so. Th- this episode is going up March 28th. Yeah. The the ninth Thus Spoke Rohan Kishibe one-shot will be published by then. Yep, yep. Man, looking at like the the original stories and when they were published and stuff too they also kind of bounce around the actual like publication too mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. weekly shonen jump and jump square shonen jump plus bisatsu margaret what is that oh it's just a shoujo manga magazine huh he published one in a shoujo magazine huh we finally got uh shoujo jojo oh man shoujo jojo <laughs> See <laughs> so yes, us next week. We will be finishing the the uh, OVA series with episode sixteen at a confessional, based on the first "Thus Spoke Rohan Kashibe" uh, uh, one shot, and episode nine, "The Run," based on now the penultimate uh, uh, one to be published. <laughs> yeah, that that came out in twenty eighteen. We we had almost started this by <laughs> when that was written. Yep. Yeah, and then there's just a ton of stuff in the middle that has not been adapted. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. maybe one day that'd be fun. I almost want Araki to just do a completely separate, just ghost story manga because mm-hmm. like this stuff is good. 
yeah, the, this last story definitely like Junji Ito inspired, but it still feels different somehow. I guess it's just the presence of Rohan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's the big difference for this story. But he he's a comforting figure in a sense, which is weird to say about <laughs> Rohan. But like, yeah, as soon as he enters the story, you know things are going to be okay. You you just but you're not going to like it. <laughs> yeah, Rohan at least will be okay. <laughs> Other people might be corpses that bleed for all eternity but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah again we will be back next week talking about episode 16 and episode 9 the third (laughs) and fourth OVAs to be animated based on the first and eighth (laughs) one shots to be written oh man I'm glad you can watch these in any order (laughs) right (laughs) yeah it doesn't super matter boy oh boy it's fun though uh yeah and until then, why don't you why don't you tell people about the show? Uh, we yeah. are in sort of a transitional time because, like, much much like the the thus spake OVAs, I don't think th- this is what's going to hook anyone into bizarre podcast. Dogs must no. die. <laughs> yeah, this is just some fun side stuff. But that does mean part five is coming around the corner again. When we started this show, it was what we thought would be the end. We, we we had no idea that uh, part six would be announced and then begin its run while we were catching up to it. Mm-hmm. We, we could have guessed maybe, but we didn't know. <laughs> yeah. It's still a little while before the next chunk of part six comes out. It should still probably be done by the time we're getting up to part six though. <laughs> but yeah, let, let people know about the, the podcast. Jojo's mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. of fun. I feel like if you present it the right way, Almost anyone could like JoJo. Yeah. You just got to do it right. There's certainly enough stuff in it. There's a, there's a lot of places to grab on, you know? There's at least one part that somebody can will, will grab on to. Mm-hmm, I feel mm-hmm. like part four is probably one of the more likely ones. I don't know. But yeah. Uh, also, uh, if you want to support us and to keep making this stuff, uh, making our Let's Plays and all that stuff, uh, we are on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Chip and Ironicus. Only donate if you really want to, like... Like it, our Patreon is more of just a uh, covering costs. Keep the lights. Yeah, on. Yeah, covering costs. Basically. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be like, oh, man, we're doing a ton of extra crazy content. It's yeah. It's just kind of allowing us to do what we want to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah. Thank, thanks for listening, everybody, especially, you know, a year, more than a year practically into this podcast now. Yeah. Yeah. And so we will see you next week to be continued. Later, everyone. This is such a fucking lie. What? So, okay, I'm, I'm getting these publication dates from the, the Wikipedia page for Thus Spoke Kashibe Rohan. And synopsis. Set between Diamond is Unbreakable and Golden Wind. The fuck it is? No. Rohan's it, 27. <laughs> maybe one or two of these stories is, but no. I, I mean. They have tablets. It can't be set between these two parts. And at least the ones we watched aren't so far back from you know, the stories he's relating aren't so far removed from the stories he's telling because they're about his very acute and current financial ruin. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. Koichi's just going to be that little guy forever. And and yes, they're dressed to go to school later today. Like, yeah, they're getting pancakes <laughs> before the school bell rings. Oh, man. That's how to do it. <laughs>
between part four and part five. Fuck you. You can't. <laughs> no. This is a lie. It's a lie. No. Mm-mm.